The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Scott Barber. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. I apologize. I missed you guys last week. I was on call at the hospital, and I was in transit to the studio when I got a call from the hospital. And unfortunately, I had to go take care of an emergency, uh, but I'm excited to be back with you guys today. Um, we have a great show today. Uh, I've been waiting to do this show for a really long time. I knew that this day would eventually come, and I got, I've been thinking a lot about the world we live in and uh, all of the things that are happening in this world that uh, really are scaring me. I'm old enough now to remember back in the days of Jimmy Carter with gas lines. America was down on itself. Uh, we were just going through a horrible time with inflation and a lot of the same things that were going on today. And then Ronald Reagan came into office and by implementing what I would now consider to be just rational policies by some sort of fiscal sanity and enforcing constitutional rights and the rule of law and encouraging rugged individualism, which is what made this country great. He turned this country around and gave us 25 years of the greatest uh, economy and growth that this country has seen in such a long time. I remember the United States hockey team, the miracle on ice. I was 14 years old watching that on TV and that was, you know, never played hockey before. I don't think I ever even saw a hockey game before that as a kid growing up in Hawaii. I was more of a surfer, but it was, it was a miracle. It truly was a miracle on ice and it, it preceded the next 25 years. Now, of course, Reagan came into office and he was limited by the Congress and his own, uh, you know, the Bushes and all this sort of stuff. They went right back to business as usual. And I sort of see some parallels with Trump coming into office that he's trying to return power to the people and the globalists and uh, elites in our society are trying to undermine him because returning power to the people means taking power away from the rest of us. And right now we're going through a series of horrible societal events with the increase in crime. Uh, we've got jails that are being emptied. We've got uh, judges that are picking and choosing which sort of crimes they want to prosecute. So BLM rioters can, uh, you know, pillage and destroy and steal and get no punishment and, uh, anybody who showed up on the January 6th uh, situation up in D.C. and wandered through the Capitol building uh, is getting the book thrown at them. We see our medical boards that are sanctioning the mutilation of children under this transgender ideology and just things that are just defying common sense. We don't let kids drive. We don't let them drink. Uh, we don't make them any sort of let them make any sort of life uh, altering or or significant decisions in their lives because their children and their brains are not developed. But somehow the medical boards have found it uh, necessary 
to sanction transgender treatment where we give these kids horrible hormones which uh, block puberty and have the potential for sterilizing them permanently and even worse these mutilation surgeries where we're castrating young kids young boys who think they want to be girls or removing breasts from young girls because they think they want to be boys and somehow trying to argue through science that this is acceptable and on top of that we're seeing a world of cancellation uh, and ridicule and the the technology of the day with social media and surveillance and all these sorts of things has made it really difficult for people to have a private self. And so we're seeing things that you think normal people wouldn't agree with and it's tending to go on and people just don't seem to be willing to stand up for what's right. And I'm one of them. I come every week to do this show and I'm a little bit nervous about being canceled and having my my life ruined by people who just don't want to hear the truth. But I got to thinking about one of my favorite movies, A Few Good Men, with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, uh, one of the great scenes. Uh, Harold, if you guys don't remember the movie, we have these two soldiers that were ordered to give a code red on a private Santiago who wasn't doing very well as a, as a soldier and private Santiago died. And Jack Nicholson, who is the lead colonel who gave the order, uh, tried to pin it on these two young soldiers. And one of these soldiers, Harold, wanted to be in the Marine Corps, and he was an honorable man. And he talked about wanting to live his life according to a code. And Tom Cruise was sort of a wheeler-dealer, transactional kind of guy who got Harold to, or was trying to offer Harold an opportunity to plead to some minor uh, problem and in return, he would get six months in prison instead of life. And, you know, he would be dishonorably discharged from the Marine Corps. But, you know, he'd get out of prison. And Tom Cruise thought, look, I've given you this great deal. And Harold's like, I'm not taking it. You're asking me to say I don't have honor. You're asking me to say I didn't do something I didn't do. I did what I was ordered to do. I did my job. And if I, if that has consequences, I will accept them. And I've been thinking a lot about that scene. You know, we watch movies all the time and we see these characters and we think, man, I, I, I see myself in that person and I wish I had that kind of courage. And I'm thinking to myself, we actually do live in a time where we are being like Harold. We have these situations where they're trying to push these vaccines on our kids, these vaccines that I said on this show a long time ago that vaccines take up to 10 years to fully understand all the ramifications of a vaccine and your kids have a minuscule risk from the COVID infection. Why are we giving vaccines to kids? I was simply asking the question as a medical professional, a medical professional who's been practicing for over 20 years, who graduated at the top of his medical school class, uh, who's, you know, been a productive member of the medical community for a long time. And it seemed like I just lost my ability to even offer my opinion. And you know, we talked about masking. We talked about other medications like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And we on this show were attacked. Both Hal and I were attacked for spreading misinformation. And I think one of the things that we've been talking about on this show and one of the things I'm really focused on, it used to be trying to convince you guys about the virtues of free of a free market healthcare system. The idea that capitalism is the only way to go that a a relationship 
predicated on capitalism is one that is good for the buyer and good for the seller. A lot of people will tell me, yes, but sometimes you get taken advantage of in in a capitalist situation and the strong will abuse the weak. And you know what? In any relationship between people on this planet, there's going to be bad actors and there are going to be people who act in bad faith. And I think people wish that we could have other entities or experts or whatever that would protect us from other people. And the reality is they do not. You know, if we look to the CDC or the FDA or the WHO to protect us, not only are they incapable of doing it, but they won't do it because they have another agenda. And a capitalist system that empowers the individual to look out for themselves is always the best scenario. Now, it used to be that I was trying to convince you of that, but now I feel it's more important to help everyone understand how to analyze the world that we're living in. How do you take in these facts that we are constantly given every day and interpret them so that we can make informed decisions about how to manage our lives and our children's lives and and how to be good, productive members of society. And it's getting increasingly difficult with our news media that almost entirely is spreading lies. I don't want to use the term misinformation because to me, misinformation is a word that was invented by this. I don't, whatever you want to call them. I, I always call them communists because that's what they're trying to do is a hostile government takeover of our society with the government uh, controlling our means of production, our healthcare, our education system at the point of a gun. And it's pure communism. And that's what they're trying to do. Uh, but they're, they're constantly spreading lies that are things they're not happening. And I'm always asking people to reflect. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you, why do you feel one candidate is great and one candidate is not? Why, you know, a classic one is why do you hate Trump? I just had this, um, this, conversation with a with a pretty good friend of mine i think he's kind of i think i would describe him as uh probably politically liberal at least i'm sure he would have been that way 10 years ago Uh, i think with the last 10 years of everything that's happened in the world politically that a rational person is having an increasingly harder time being a liberal because they openly stand for things like defunding the police mutilating children late-term abortion and even after-term abortion. I mean, you bring this up to people that Obama voted for after-term abortion three separate times. And, you know, the, the media, which lies to us about everything, they don't ever report this. And when you bring it up to people like, hey, did you know that Obama voted for after-birth abortion three times? It's like, no, no, they nobody voted for that. And, and let's also talk about the euphemism. After-birth abortion is murder. Okay, so let's let's not joke uh, or kid ourselves about what's going on. And then for me, I am a physician and, you know, I'm I'm aware that these medical boards uh, are corrupt and they are also um, loaded with a lot of incapable people. You know, the when I was in medical school and we were competing because that's what we were doing in medical school. The people who get the best grades and graduate at the top of their class get their choice of what sort of specialties they want to go into and which is why um, 
people in orthopedics and neurosurgery and things like that tend to do better in school because you have to do well in school in order to get those those disciplines and to be able to to be accepted into those programs we're competing all the time and <clears throat> the people that do really well in class are not the kind of people who say hey i'm hoping to be you know involved in a medical board or to be on the administration of a hospital that's not what they do and sadly over the years uh, these people have gotten in control and we are now able to demonstrate unequivocally that they're making decisions that are not only in their best interest, not not in our best interest, that the hospital systems and these medical boards are making decisions that are not only not in our best interest, but they're harmful to us and they're corrupt in many instances. And I did not believe it until I saw it with my own eyes that the medical boards are promoting these transgender operations. And we saw Matt Walsh from Daily Wire uh, did this movie, What is a Woman?, and he exposed these institutions, and I was dumbfounded. I mean, I couldn't believe it that medical boards sanctioning, mutilating children, castrating little boys, and cutting the breasts off of little girls uh, with this tra- transgender cult. And it got me thinking that I know a lot of us out there are sort of trying to lay low, right? We see important people like Russell Brand now, anybody who tries to go against this globalist elite uh, situation is getting canceled and attacked and deplatformed. And I think a lot of people are thinking, you know what, I'll just lay low. I don't necessarily agree with all of these things. I don't necessarily want to defund the police. I don't want to have a wide open border. I don't want the government spending $2 trillion deficits. I mean, folks, I get it that not everybody understands fiscal sanity uh, uh, very well, but you, you, if you, if you're running a household, you have to understand that if the interest on your debt on a month-to-month basis is more than the money that you make, that that is not a way to live. You go into bankruptcy. If if you don't make enough money to cover the interest on your debt, how are you going to buy food? How are you going to buy clothing? How are you going to pay for gas in your car? How are you going to pay your rent or your mortgage? You can't do it. And the government has been doing this forever and they're getting ready to do it again. A two trillion dollar deficit and these scam artists using this war in Ukraine and the COVID scam to jack up spending under the auspices of these, uh, you know, horrible crises. And they won't go back to spending uh, at the pre COVID levels. And here we have a budget. We're taking in five trillion dollars in taxes. And we're spending $7 trillion. That's a $2 trillion deficit. That's going to go on top of our our debt and deficit, $33 trillion in debt. It is not sustainable, and it's going to happen. And you folks can see it right now. They've been trying to manipulate the the money supply and all of this for a very long time to try and conceal to you that they're destroying the economy and they're doing it on purpose. When you think about the fact that the government is in massive debt, so it's going to be hard for them to cut taxes. Now, they should cut taxes because we always know when we look back through history that when you cut taxes, you increase the number of taxpayers and the overall revenue that goes to the government is increased. But they never want to do that because cutting taxes and cutting regulations means relinquishing power back to the individual, and they can't have that. They need to have complete power. 
but you know that what they are doing isn't working because your interest rates are going up and that's affecting your credit cards, that's affecting your mortgages, that's affecting your rents because people who collect your rents, they need to cover their costs so they're going to raise their money and you know that when you go to the grocery store I've had this conversation and had the experience myself everybody's mind explodes when you go get a couple of things at the store and it costs you a couple of hundred bucks and you're thinking to myself how did this even happen well the reason it happened is because the government continues to overspend on everything and they keep printing money which is inflating the money that you have away so the problems are massive. The problems are huge. And I have been spending a lot of time trying to use my my own advice and the own wisdom that I've been giving over the years from my father and other people and uh, and put it into practice. And when things are going well for you and you're sort of mentoring your children or another young person and you sort of tell them, you know, the early bird gets the worm and work hard and the Bible tells us not to worry and, you know, all of these types of things, it's easy to say when you're not struggling, but when you're facing crisis, uh, it becomes a lot more difficult. And I'm a human being just like everybody else out there. I have my own issues and I my own fears. And so I'm trying to live the way that I preach, which is to have the courage to live in the world that we actually live in and to understand the emperor has no clothes. You people have to be aware that laying low is not going to do it. They will not stop with this transgendering ideology, the indoctrination in schools with critical race theory and segregating people based on the color of their skin, which is something that that nobody wants. We don't want this. People, the vast majority of people want to live in a fair world and we're moving in the wrong direction and being quiet is not going to solve the problem. Now, I remember when I was in residency, we used to talk about uh, difficulties that we would have taking care of patients. And it was a it was a very difficult time of life. We had a lot going on. I was working at the busiest trauma center in the world at the University of Miami. We had all kinds of seriously injured people. It was a labor of love. I absolutely loved being a doctor. I loved the magnitude of the problems that we faced, serious injuries that people were having. And it was 24-7. So people were having problems around the clock. And it commonly came up where residents would talk to one another about, I got called by a nurse and they uh, brought up a problem about a patient to me and I was wondering what is the right thing to do? And we used to have these conversations all the time. What is the right thing to do? And the answer was always, whatever is the most painful thing for you to do is the right thing to do. And it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek way of saying it, but it was usually true. So you get called up in the middle of the night and the nurse says, I got a patient who's very anxious and, you know, it could just be that they truly are having anxiety, but anxiety is also a sign of hypoxia. So maybe they're having a problem. And so your choices would be tell the nurse to give the patient a sedative, which would be the absolutely wrong thing to do, and go back to sleep. Or I should get out of bed and, you know, go up to the floor and go examine the patient. Now, of course, I want to stay in bed because it's in the middle of the night. But And that's the easy thing to do, and therefore I know it's the wrong thing to do. The hard thing to do is to get out of bed, go up and examine the patient, understanding that it probably is that they are just anxious. But if they have hypoxia, you know, you need to be there and you need to act. And so I've sort of taken that those words of wisdom about the, the proper thing to do is usually the thing that's most painful for you and apply that to my real life right now. And so when I think about this show, 
and not wanting to be canceled and not really wanting to do this for any other reason that I want my children to live in a better world that is a meritocracy and that's a kind world where people look out for one another and that's a fair world where people compete on an even playing ground and achieve based on their efforts and their God-given skills and that we care for people that are around us. And, you know, that's kind of the big thing here. Our problems are enormous. What are we going to do? I can't save the world, but I can take care of the people that are next to me. And I can teach my children to be productive members of society and I can help them uh, deal with the problems that they're facing. And I can also help my community. And we've done that. And I'm continuing to do that with my friends. And you guys need to do the same thing. You have to have the courage to speak the truth, to call out injustice where you see it, and to be a, a good citizen, to play by the rules. Uh, I know there are increasingly not any rules. But, um, you know, I remember thinking about what a great group of residents that I trained with at the University of Miami. We had five, it was a five-year residency program. So you had one year through five years and there were six residents in each class. And so there were 30 of us. And these 30 residents were really great people. Uh, they were hardworking people. They're very smart people. And for the most part, they were honorable people. We used to always talk about doing the right thing. And, you know, when things went poorly for a patient, there was real feelings of sadness and loss, and we had to help uh, each other sort of get through it. Uh, there was a real caring there, and I really appreciated being a member of that group, but we did have one guy that came through that was a very transactional guy, and he didn't care. He never did the right thing. He always did the easy thing, and he hurt people. And he got to a point where we realized that he wasn't simply making mistakes. He was choosing to do the wrong thing. And so we ended up bringing it up to the administration. And this person ended up getting kicked out of our program. And I sometimes feel bad about that. I mean, it's a long process going to medical school and getting into residency. There's a lot of work that goes into it. But he was hurting too many people, including kids, and he needed to go because when you have the responsibility to take care of people as a physician, you are you are in a position that requires a lot of responsibility and much is asked of you. And if you can't deliver, then you have no right being there because people will be depending on you for the rest of your life. Um, you know, I've been having this conversation with my daughter recently. She has these feelings of inadequacy sometimes because in her mind her friends are so smart and she feels like she has a harder time uh, you know understanding school stuff and and processing the information and doing well on tests she gets straight A's and she works hard and I'm so very proud of her and man I understand where she's coming from because I've talked about it on this show many times as a reading disabled kid I was you know often felt like the dumbest person alive I couldn't read well. I always felt inadequate. And now I look fast forward 30 years ahead and I realize what my father said was absolutely true. The people who succeed in life are not necessarily the most beautiful people. They're not the strongest people. They're not the smartest people. The people who succeed are the people who have good habits. Adam Smith who wrote in The Wealth of Nations in the mid-1700s, talked about it. There's not very much difference between individuals in terms of smarts and strength and all that. What separates one person from another are their habits. Engaging in good habits on a daily basis 
and working hard, uh, being moral, being just, being kind, and putting in hard work are the things that get us where we need to be. And, uh, you know, that's the world that we live in right now. Now, we're constantly uh, being psyopsed, and I talk about it on the show all the time. Every TV show you watch is always going to portray anybody Christian as a psychopath or a nut or a hypocrite. Um, you know, anybody who uses a gun is going to be evil. I think it's kind of funny to me now, whenever there's a villain, they always put an American flag uh, up in the background, right? So when you're watching a movie, you watch this. If they put an American flag up, a person's waving the flag, that person's going to be a villain. They, it's a constant psyop. Um, the way that the left and these globalists kind of see this world, they're always, uh, portraying it that way. And what they try to do is get you to accept this as the world we live in. And what we need to do is have the courage to interpret what reality is. Now, a lot of times they'll use these terms called best practices. They do it in medicine all the time that there are best practices for how you care for people. And the idea is that you need to follow this protocol. And they try to convince you that best practices means we've kind of done all the testing and we figured out what works and what doesn't work. And you need to do what we say to do. But in reality, what they're trying to get doctors to do in particular is turn off their brains and do what they want you to do. It's a means of control, and you have to recognize that. Um, they use this idea of misinformation, right? Known spreader of misinformation to cancel people that they disagree with. And we talk about it on this show all the time. If there's a disagreement about something, the solution is not to suppress another person's opposing opinion it's to engage that opinion and discuss it in the sunlight so that we can all see it and determine the merits of whatever somebody is saying for ourselves and that's how we get to what information is this idea of misinformation means that there's some person or group of people that have the ability to determine what's true and what's not and that is just factually uh not happening now when you look at the world that we're living in right now if we stay quiet and we continue to allow the world to unfold the way it's been unfolding, we're going to see a continuation of defunding police, right? They've emptied prisons under this idea of uh, prison reform. Um, we see the explosion of pornography everywhere. And when you see people that are supporting defunding the police, they support pornography, sexualizing our children, we see over and over again on social media these parents that go to school board meetings and start reading from books that are on the shelves in their grade school and it's pornographic and then the people on the school board are like please stop you know saying those words and we're going to have to stop because it's offensive and the parents are simply trying to make the point that these books are on the shelves of our our, our schools and we want them out this transgender agenda i'm sorry to try and tell me that i'm a uh, I'm against anybody. It's just factually not true, and it's against the facts of my life. I have spent my life trying to help people. Even when I was young, uh, I used to get beaten up in the defense of people because that was the kind of person that I am. I know the person that God made me to be. I know the person that's inside of me. I know how my mother wanted me to be, 
and I genuinely want the best for others around me. I want to make this world a better place. I want to do the right thing. And when things don't go well, I reassess my behavior and I try to be better the next time. But you're not going to sit here and tell me and browbeat me and somehow force me to accept this transgender ideology, this idea of cutting the genitals off of young children who are confused is pure evil. I mean, this is Nazi Germany, Joseph Mengele evil. And people need to have the courage to stand up to this stuff. We see these uh, transgender uh, proponents that are having these, I don't even know what you call them, these events where they're dressed sexually and they're twerking in front of little kids. Uh, we have a situation where people are opposed to school choice. You've got failing schools that are doing so poorly that uh, I, they just had an article um, come out in uh, the Post where they looked at um, Baltimore schools. And in 40% of Baltimore schools, 0% of the students achieved math proficiency for the grade that they're in. 0%. That's not one kid in 40% of the schools in Baltimore. Now, people, I ask you, you couldn't do a worse job of teaching kids if your goal was to prevent them from learning. And the idea that anybody would be against any other um, option is mind-boggling to me. But the reason is, is because the people that are in charge want to control the money and they don't want individuals... Uh, to have any power over the education of their children. And so we're living in this world of defunding police, sexualizing children, this transgender ideology, which is really just a platform for implementing the Marxist transformation of this country. Um, they're using medicine uh, to try and accomplish uh, these goals. And the dissenting voices are being canceled more and more. And I just want to go through a bunch of this stuff uh, to try and open your eyes and sort of connect dots uh, a little bit. We're going to go to commercial here uh, for a minute. We'll be right back. Um, you're listening to The Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber on America's Web Radio. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
So I wanted to, you're back with uh, the Doctor's Lounge, Dr. Scott Barber on America's Web Radio. We're talking about the courage to live in the real world and the world that we're actually experiencing and not the one that the media and the uh, people who control our social media are trying to portray to us. I remember back in early 2020, we had this COVID virus that was coming around. And as an educated physician practicing, I did what any good doctor would do. I started to educate myself about the issues of the day. I reacquainted myself with my immunology. I, re- I brushed up on my coronavirus uh, and all of the things that one does. And one of the things that I noticed in the literature was the tons of med- or tons of literature out there supporting the use of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin uh, and uh, early treatment for COVID. And the information out there was legion. There was lots of it. And, but the news would come out and say, there's no, there's no information that, uh, you know, you, the only choices were lockdowns, masks and vaccination. And I, and, and, and at the time they were also, um, pushing rendesmavir, which we now know has turned out to be a horrible mistake and hurt a lot of people. Uh, but I was just noticing the truth. You know, I was in the hospitals. I was noticing that people were getting diagnosed with COVID that had no respiratory issues. And there seemed to be a concerted effort to try and promote uh, promote this COVID insanity. I remember when the Royal College of London came out and said that the mortality rate uh, from COVID was 3.4%, to which I said, this is absolutely insane. It is not that. If you look at it more closely, it's more akin to an influenza. And of course, a couple of weeks later, they quietly... Uh, recalculated the mortality rate to be something more in line with a typical flu, but they never really came out and sort of made the American public aware, like, hey, listen, I know that we, we said that it was 3.4% and everybody panicked, but we, you know, we made a mistake and here's the real number. They never did that. And I always wondered, like, what are you guys doing? Are you trying to terrify people? Um, Hydroxychloroquine, I had been reading for three months how effective it was, not just in COVID, but in other respiratory illnesses. And when I read about the mechanism of action, it absolutely made scientific sense to me why this would work. Uh, we actually found an article uh, that was produced by uh, Fauci's NIH back in 2005 that talked about how wonderful hydroxychloroquine was. And I thought to myself, what is going on here? And then the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet came out with studies saying that hydroxychloroquine was not only ineffective against COVID, but that it was toxic. It was cardiotoxic and people were dying. And I thought to myself, what are you guys talking about? Like hydroxychloroquine, which I'm familiar with in my practice, because a lot of people use it in orthopedics. And it is used for prophylaxis for malaria. So if you had a kid that went on a mission trip in a malaria zone, you would give it without even thinking twice about it. All of a sudden, they're trying to turn it into this deadly thing. So I go and I say to myself, how can this possibly be true? So like any good doctor, I go and I read the studies from the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine, and they were big and they were full of BS. It was just obvious to anybody used to reading scientific literature that they just not true. And I remember thinking to myself, Like, how is this even possible? Like, I've published scientific literature, and I know how difficult the peer review process is. And the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet are the top two journals, medical journals on the planet. Like, there's no way this could have gotten past their their uh, peer review. 
Well, two weeks later, they had to retract the stories because they got busted making it up. Like there was no data. It was a fake thing. And I remember talking to one of my college roommates about it. And he was like, well, you know, back in that time, there was a lot of pressure to come up with a solution for the public and, you know, errors were made. And I'm like, dude, that is not what happened here. They did not make an error. They did not like misinterpret the data or anything. They made it up gigantic studies and then they retracted it, but it didn't matter. Did the FDA or the CDC or the WHO or the news media come out and say, hey, listen, I know we had this earth shattering article on hydroxychloroquine saying it was dangerous, uh, uh, but we made a mistake and we're sorry and we want to correct record. No, they didn't do that at all. They let you continue to think it. Uh, the same thing happened with ivermectin, right? The Rolling Stone came out with this bogus story that ivermectin was a horse dewormer and that because it was pushed uh, by Trump or somebody that people were getting poisoned and that they were showing up in emergency rooms and overwhelming the emergency rooms so that gunshot wound victims were going unattended to because of all the poisonings. And it went around the horn, MSNBC, NBC News, ABC, CBS, CNN, uh, the, you know, all the, all the players to get everybody all riled up about ivermectin. It was rolling off the tongues of people that I knew it's a horse dewormer because that was a narrative they wanted you to have. And it turned out that it was a lie, right? Did you see the CDC or the WHO or the FDA come out and say, listen, we know that they made this mistake or they published this fake story in Rolling Stone magazine and we want to correct the record that it's not dangerous? No, no, they didn't do that. They wanted you to remain terrified. And now I'm asking you, as people that are trying to live in this world and learning to interpret the information that you're being provided why would you listen to any of these people ever again? Why? They didn't make mistakes. They lied to you. Now, I brought this up on the show, right? You guys remember this. Hal did too. Uh, we were talking about the masks, right? You guys understand, like, as part of medical school, we study masks. I'm a surgeon. I studied masks 30 years ago, the cloth mask, the N95 mask, surgical masks. And you know what we learned in medical school? Exactly. They don't work. We knew they didn't work. The N95, including, that is the one that always drives me nuts. There's a difference between in vitro and in vivo. In vitro is in the laboratory, right? So you put a mask on and supposedly virus doesn't pass in an N95 mask in vitro. But in vivo, that means you have to actually be using this mask in the environment. And what we find in vivo is that even an N95 mask does not uh, prevent the transmission of these respiratory illnesses. We have never been able to detect that. So we were being canceled and, and, uh, labeled known spreaders of misinformation and all this kind of stuff for simply bringing up the fact that plenty of data available for a long, long time, uh, shows that masks don't work. And for simply bringing that up, we were attacked and canceled and deplatformed. And, uh, you know, th there was a reason for that because they were trying to control the narrative. Now, that we've gone through the COVID situation and everything, we've had the Cochrane Review come out, which is a meta-analysis on masks. And guess what the Cochrane Review, which is considered to be the top-shelf uh, repository of scientific literature, it is the apex predator of science. And the Cochrane Review shows that masks, the surgical masks, the cloth masks, and the N95 masks does not work. They don't work in the prevention of the spread of these respiratory illnesses, including COVID. Now, what do you do with that? 
did I, did we hear the CDC or the FDA or the WHO go around or the news media like, oh, hey, listen, we want to correct the record on it? No. We heard that clown Fauci coming out still trying to say, well, you know, mass on an individual. I don't even know what he said. I, I was trying to find his quote, um, and I'll find it for you guys next time because it's an example of what somebody that's a complete moron sounds like. If you were a medical student and you were to say in a journal club what Fauci said about mass, you would be laughed out. You'd probably be kicked out of school because it was so idiotic. Uh, it doesn't matter. Now, all of this kind of reminiscing made me want to take a trip down memory lane. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, I remember when Hal and I were doing this in, in, I want to say it was November of 21. So in November of 21, we were doing our show. Uh, the Braves uh, won the World Series for the first time in a long time. And, wow, it was a big deal. You know, front page the next day was the Braves won the World Series. And let's remember what else was on the front page there. Doctors spread misinformation with impunity. Facing no official consequences from some in Georgia push, uh, let's say, sorry, facing no official consequences, some in Georgia pushed unsubstantiated narratives on virus treatment. Scott Barber wears Dr. Scrubs when he records his podcast, an American flag tacked behind him. Remember what I was telling you about American flag? The villains always have the American flag. And look, they put it right there. They felt it was necessary to say that I had American flag tacked behind me. Why is that? That's part of the PSYOP. Anytime you see anybody on TV, on a movie, uh, on a show, if they have a flag tacked up, I guarantee you they're going to be a villain. He's leaning into the microphone. He gives health advice that experts, right, experts, say uh, could land a person in intensive care, okay? This is on the front page of the newspaper the same day that the Braves win the World Series, and I'm thinking to myself, listen, I know I'm an amazing podcaster, you know, but I really didn't realize that I was that amazing that they felt the need to attack me and Hal uh, for this, and it always made me wonder. I wonder why this is, and interestingly enough, uh, the great um, Naomi Wolf uh, was reporting on a FOIA request that uh, demonstrated uh, White House knew in May of 21 mRNA shots caused blood clot, clot, clot. Sorry. White House. This is my reading disability. I still suffer from it. I'm not kidding. White House knew in May of 21 mRNA shots caused blood clots, heart damage. Internal FOIA emails show a freakout. So this is internal FOIA. That's Freedom of Information Act. Dr. Naomi Wolf and the amazing Amy Kelly delve into FOIA emails showing that the White House knew in May of 2021 that the mRNA injections caused blood clots and heart damage. The emails also show the internal freakout among White House officials and a script of how to respond to the public. And it makes me wonder... That was May of 21, and then in November of 21, Hal and I get this hit job by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution saying that we're spreading misinformation. Now, it's funny to me because when we look at the types of things that I was saying and Hal was saying too, we were – and to be fair or to be clear, I've been watching radio shows and podcasts for 30 years. And I'm very well aware that there are people, haters out there that want to attack you. And so I'm careful about what I say in terms of, uh, you know, I didn't say do not get vaccinated. What I said was a vaccination was a risk assessment because there are pros and cons to getting the vaccine. 
And there are pros and cons to not getting the vaccine. And what I said was that vaccines, this is what I was taught in medical school. This is what most doctors are taught in medical school is that vaccines take up to 10 years to fully un- understand all of the ramifications of the vaccine. You guys remember Billy Joel's song, dun, dun, children of thalidomide, dun, 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 right? So th- thalidomide was a medicine that they were giving women in pregnancy for nausea that was causing babies to be born with no arms and no legs. Oh, the government wouldn't possibly make a mistake. It was FDA approved. Come on, folks. You got to understand these agencies not only won't look out for you, they can't look out for you. Okay. So, um, we were also saying things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin worked, early treatment worked, vitamin D. Uh, we were also saying that there was myocarditis associated with the vaccine. Um, now, the fake news media lied to you and kept trying to tell you, oh, no, the myocarditis is associated with the is associated with the covid infection. But uh, we also have another article that I just got off of um, the CDC website where <clears throat> this was out of Israel. Uh, and this is where uh, they were looking at covid infected patients and they found that. Um, let's see. Post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with either myocarditis or pericarditis. We did not observe an increase in the incidence of neither pericarditis nor myocarditis in, adult, in adults recovering from COVID-19 infection. Okay, so they were telling us the myocarditis was coming from COVID. And in fact, we know that the myocarditis seems to be coming from the vaccine. So these are the things that we were saying. These are the things that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution wanted to tell you that you should uh, ignore us because we were the known spreaders of misinformation. You know, there was also an interesting thing that I saw on the uh, Mayo Clinic website last week. You guys might have uh, might have missed it, but I got this from uh, the Gateway Pundit. Uh, Mayo Clinic website now says hydroxychloroquine can be used to treat COVID-19 patients. Previously, they claimed it was not effective. So it's funny. I was a known spreader of misinformation back then, but it turns out that every single thing I said turned out to be 100% correct. And yet I'm a known spreader of misinformation. How's a known spreader of misinformation? But ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, all of these clowns, uh, they can go on and say, you know, misinformation, misinformation to use their own vernacular over and over again. And they never get labeled known spreaders of misinformation. Um, you know, there's another thing. Uh, we, you remember we were talking about ivermectin was a horse dewormer. I want you to listen to uh, Senator Ron Johnson being interviewed by Maria Bartiromo. This is one of my favorite. Maria Bartiromo's Awesome. This morning that the FDA is now saying that it's okay to take ivermectin uh, if you have COVID. And Marie, you know the doctors I've been uh, dealing with and talking to for years now. Uh, they, they believe that probably hundreds of thousands of Americans lost their lives because they were denied early treatment. And they were denied it because the FDA sabotaged, for example, ivermectin. And they said, come on, y'all, you're, you're not a cow, you're not a horse. You know, this is this is supposedly horse medicine. No, this is a Nobel Prize winning uh, medicine that, that could, could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. So it's amazing to me that I was uh, uh, labeled a known spreader of misinformation. 
Turns out everything that we said on this show, Hal and I, turned out to be 100% correct. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the stuff, too, that we were saying was just our opinion. You know, we were just trying to say, let's think about this. So, for example, I know it takes up to 10 years for a vaccine for us to fully understand all of the ramifications of a new vaccine. And school-age children have just an infinitesimal, minimal risk of any serious harm from COVID-19, why would I give my kids that? That's just my open musing. And, uh, you know, for that, we were pilloried and attacked. And the point that I'm trying to make for you guys is you need to understand that interpreting facts in the world around you is incredibly difficult and it's getting even more difficult. They literally are changing language in real time. So when we were undergoing a recession, right, a recession is two consecutive quarter quarters of negative economic growth. And so that's what we were going through when Biden took over. And so they changed the language of it to say to to say that that wasn't it. And so when you go to look up, are we in a recession? You'd always get this kind of fact checker. No, we're not in a recession. And so. One of the other things that's also making things difficult is now with AI, artificial intelligence, they have the ability to create videos and and use voices to say things that the person may not have actually said. And so it's getting increasingly more difficult for you to confirm the information that you're taking in. And, you know, I I, I have this conversation all the time, and this is – listen, President Trump made a ton of mistakes, especially on COVID, letting these – these just evil clowns run rampant with the COVID uh, was a huge error on President Trump. However, we had the greatest economy in modern history under him. Um, the cut in regulations and the cut in taxes uh, led to increased real wages uh, for everybody. The tax cuts helped the people in the lower tax brackets the most, and they keep lying and saying it was a tax cut for the rich. It was not. People in the lower tax brackets did the best. We had the Abraham Accords, so peace in the Middle East. I'd never seen that in my life. I'm 58 years old. I've never seen it, and he did it. He got us out of the Paris Climate Accord, which just using our just using our brains, okay, when we talk about this climate scam. So for a while there, they were really controlling the social media. You couldn't really say anything negative about climate change for a long time. I noticed it, and then – when Elon sort of took over with Twitter, you're starting to see some more stuff on climate change. But it's so ridiculous. You have uh, – what's the clown who ran for president against Bush? Blank. Al Gore. So you had Al Gore did his movie called An Inconvenient Truth like a 20-something years ago. And, you know, the polar bears going extinct and the polar ice caps are melting and New York is going to be underwater. And you watch this fear-mongering, fear-mongering life vest and not one thing he said – came true, okay? Polar ice caps are bigger than ever. Uh, New York obviously is not underwater. They had to remove the polar bear as the icon for the climate scam because there's so many polar bears, it just became stupid to have it as the icon. And I'm asking myself, why would you follow these people with the climate scam when their solution is all I need is all your money and all your freedom and we'll save you? And we need everybody to pitch in. You guys don't drive your cars. Meanwhile, the people who are advocating this stuff are flying to Davos on their private jets all the time, you know, individually too. So, you know, you need to kind of understand that when the messenger is lying to you, 
Why would you listen to them? And, you know, the, here's, I'm going to play something. This is Harold Ford. He's a former Tennessee congressman. He got seven COVID shots and has had COVID three times. And I want you to just listen to him. He's on Fox News show, The Five. I want you to just listen to the way he talks. Listen to this whole interaction. Coming on. Don't, don't get it. Where I think the message from is get the shot if you want. I if will. You want it? Go ahead. Don't get it. Where you going to get, it? get another one? I just said I I'm not going to ask anybody if they're it? getting their shot. I'm, get, I'm going to wear a mask, but I'm going to get the shot. You are? How, what number shot is this for you? I've had it every t- So I'm <laughs> one in October. I have one in April. How many? What's the total? So, oh, this yeah. will be my seventh. Oh. <laughs> and I've had COVID three times. Coming up. <laughs> Okay, listen. Listen to these idiots laughing about this. Laughing. My friend Rob is dead. Okay, he died. He's my age. He had a heart attack on Christmas Day, driven to the hospital by his son. Okay, no family history, no uh, no previous history in himself, and he died and suddenly of a heart attack. Okay, I before 2020, I didn't know people who just died suddenly. I didn't know them. And now I have tons of those people that are in my orbit. And I haven't personally confirmed any of them, obviously, because they won't let us confirm it, but they just ignore it. It wasn't that long ago that if you didn't take the vaccine, you were a terrorist, you were an anti-vaxxer, they tried to attack you in every way possible. They tried to cancel you, deplatform you. And now these idiots sit there laughing about it. Oh, I've had COVID three times. And they're still trying to tell you to uh, to get your COVID shot. I mean, this stuff just defies belief to me. And, um, you know, if you think I'm lying right now, let's listen to uh, Korean Jean-Pierre uh, just uh, a couple of weeks ago on the new vaccine. I want you to hear this. We're not even over what happened the last round. The, the information is coming out on a daily basis, including the fact that, that COVID uh, vaccinated people are more likely to get the new COVID. I'm going to show you that in a second. But I want you to listen to Kareem Jean-Pierre. This is just unbelievable to me. The president said in, in Tahoe that he intentionally decided to recommend everyone get the new vaccine. When is he going to decide? So as you, I think you've heard from the F, uh, FDA and CDC, uh, they've made an announcement on the new vaccine. Uh, so certainly uh, they said that they will have an, there will be an updated vaccine in September, mid-September, I believe. So uh, we know that, as you all know, vaccinations against COVID-19 remains the safest protection for avoiding hospitalization, long-term health outcomes, and death, which is why we are, we are going to be encouraging uh, Americans to stay up to date on their vaccine. I mean, why would, why, why would you listen to this person ever again? She's just bald face lying to you. That is not true. I've played for you over and over again. The CDC director Walensky, what COVID vaccines can no longer do is prevent transmission or infection. That's the facts. Now we're looking at this, uh, new, uh, strain of virus. Um, here, let me just pull it up. We got a new strain of virus and what they, they did a study on it and what they said, which was something they didn't, um, 
let's see. Uh, CDC's current assessment is that this upsated vaccine will be effective at reducing severe disease in hospital. At this point, there's no evidence that this variant is causing uh, any severe illness. Uh, what was unexpected, uh, the BA 2.86 may be more capable of causing infection in people who have previously had COVID-19 or COVID-19 vaccinations. Okay. So what, what they're saying here on the CDC website, and I don't see any of the, uh, FDA, the World Health Organization, the CDC is not coming out to say, Hey, by the way, if you're vaccinated, you may be at increased risk of getting the vaccine. I mean, of getting the virus. No, what you're seeing is Corrine Jean-Pierre going up there and saying, uh, you know, it's safe and effective. Just, uh, keep getting vaccinated. I mean, uh, I mean, this stuff is just so over the top. Um, it defies belief. Um, I want to go out. We got a couple minutes. I want to listen to the great John Stossel. He had a great sort of summary of, um, all this that has been going on. I want you to listen to what he had to say. And we're going to end the show on this because it's so well done. You better not say that. That's what we reporters covering COVID were told. There are certain things you must not say. For example, MSNBC told us from a certain corner of the right is this theory that the coronavirus, quote, escaped from the lab. Escaped the lab? How ignorant. Everyone knows it wasn't made in a lab. This coronavirus was not man-made. That is not a possibility. And mere debate about that, we were told, posed a new threat. Not the virus itself, but misinformation. Many media decided it's our job to make certain theories disappear. One theory that just won't go away is that this virus came from a Chinese lab. Facebook totally banned this false claim, but now the FBI director says COVID's origin is a most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. The Department of Energy has concluded COVID-19 likely came from a lab leak in China. So did the smug media apologize and say we shouldn't be in the censoring business? No, they just ignore what they did. The closest to an admission of guilt we found was this from Chris Hayes. I have to say, there's a kernel of truth, the idea that some folks were too quick to shut down the lab leak theory. Media imposed similar bans on what you could say about masks when Senator Rand Paul made this true statement. The masks don't work very well, particularly the cloth mask. YouTube suspended him. And Facebook throttled the reporting of science journalist John Tierney when he pushed back against forcing kids to wear masks. More than 10,000 parents said that masks were giving their kids headaches, making it harder for them to concentrate. Partly false, said Facebook, while cutting him off. And now, a lot of science says wearing masks probably makes little or no difference. Perhaps the most blatant case was the media's claim that the New York Post scoop about Hunter Biden's emails just could not be true. We're supposed to believe that Hunter Biden in a drunken stupor dropped off his laptop in, I guess, apparently QAnon repair office, right? Obviously, Russian interference, said the media. It's likely Russian disinformation. It is so obviously a Russian operation. Twitter's bosses wouldn't even let users decide for themselves. They labeled the Post report potentially harmful and blocked users from sharing it. Facebook was sneakier. They suppressed the story instead of banning it outright. Of course, now the media admit the Post story was true. 
Several news organizations have authenticated many emails from the laptop. So the media who smeared this... That goes on for several more minutes, and it really shows that we're living in a world where the emperor has no clothes. We need to move back more towards a moral world, an honest world. Be kind to your fellow citizens. Try to be a better person yourself. We need to vote these clowns out of office and start to get people that will live in the real world. But it's never going to happen until we all have the courage to live into the live in the actual world. I hope this opened the eyes for some of you guys. Thanks for listening to the show. You're listening to the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber on America's Web Radio. We'll catch you next time. Have a great day. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.